Well, why don't you go ahead and turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We are uh, going to take a little break from our um, sermon series, uh, the, the Written So That You Might Believe, The Harmony of the Gospels, uh, because it's Christmas. And, and I don't know about you, but I love, I love Christmas. I say that every year, but I love Christmas. You know, we've decorated it in here already and uh, made it pretty. And just uh, really t- to focus our heart and our attention in on the Savior. So I'm really excited about that. So we're going to take a, a, a pause like we usually do during Christmas. And we have a, just a, a short four-week sermon series. Uh, and I, I was struggling with what to title this because uh, I, I didn't know. But um, yesterday, it was last night, I finally figured out what I wanted to call this. And it is Prepare Him Room. Our Christmas 2020 is Prepare Him Room. And I think it's so important to, to look into our hearts and to ask, are we preparing room for Christ? Are, do we have room for Christ? And part of this uh, spurs off of our Advent series. Hopefully you've seen that. Um, we've been sending out an email every morning, really, really early, uh, with, a, with a short, like six to eight minute video that I'm doing every morning to spur people on in Advent, right? Advent is this Christmas season where we watch and wait expectantly for the Lord. So you can check that uh, through your, your, uh, your you'll get a, Alistair, is there a text message every, week, every day too? No, just an email, right? An email goes out and then it posts on our social media or on Facebook, but it's also available on YouTube. So if you ever go to the YouTube account and watch that, uh, you can get that there as well. But it's, I would encourage you just to stop, stop by, stop what you're doing uh, in the mornings and, and catch that Advent devotion. It's meant to be a spurring on for our day and for our week, uh, spurring us on to read a devotion, to, to get in the Word, uh, to talk about and think about Jesus. But really what it's doing as we stop and pause and wait, it, it is meant for us to prepare Him room in our heart, in our lives. So I really want to encourage you in that to go to that Advent and check it out. If you haven't seen that or don't know how to get there, you can call our office tomorrow. We'll let you know, but it's on our Facebook it's on our YouTube channel, and it's emailed out uh, if you're on the, uh, the list of, of our email folks, okay? Um, so we're going to be talking about preparing him room, and that is, that is the advent of Christ. It is the coming of Christ, the watching and waiting expectantly for the Savior and what he'll do. So today, the first sermon title is this, in the middle of our, our watching and waiting, let's not waste our waiting. Don't waste your waiting. So we're going to be in James chapter 5. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll read that text. Father, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace, your great love for us. This is a a crazy time of year. It's a crazy year to begin with. And God, Christmas is coming, and and the days and seasons are passing nonetheless. But God, as, as we approach Christmas, as we look at the time, the advent of Christ, when you came and you humbled yourself and put on flesh, so you would die for us. We ask that you would help us to, to quiet our hearts, to slow our pace, to not waste this season of waiting, that we would seek and see and savor the Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask that you be with us now, that God, you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your word, that you would challenge us in any way that we need to be challenged, so we would get over ourselves We'd humble ourselves, and we would invite Jesus to change everything. We know that there's only hope and peace through faith in Jesus Christ. So we thank you for that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in James chapter 5, and we'll read verses 1 through 11 together. 
Come now, you rich people. Weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasure in these last days. Look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields cries out, and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived luxuriously on earth, And have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous who does not resist you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for his precious fruit, for the precious fruit of the earth, and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You must also be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord has brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. All right, well, we're going to just briefly talk about this passage. Actually, this is the, kind of the first time, I think, that I've, I've actually read a passage to begin our service. That's the focus passage, and I'm not going to go back and break this down because uh, I think there's some ways that we can tie this into our Christmas passages, and I think it's really important for us to see. But I did want to see a couple of things there, uh, and, and I, I included verses 1 through 6 because it's kind of a scary section, right? It's talking about our wealth and our indulgence and, and what we focus on that is of the world. And, and the, the, James is saying, be, be aware of that. Be cautious of where you're putting your affections, where you're putting your attention, where you're putting your hope. These things are going to rot and corrode, and ultimately they will corrupt you, and judgment will be upon you. There is wrath to be had because we have a focus on material things, on worldly things, and not on eternal things. And we must understand that. We cannot take anything we've gained, anything we've earned, any prestige or any honor, we cannot take any of that to heaven and stand before Jesus in a righteous relationship with him. All we have is Jesus. And listen, that's all we need. That is the greatest treasure, is faith in Christ, a relationship with Jesus Christ. So there's an exhortation here starting in verse 7 that that James writes. He says, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. So think about this. We are not patient people, are we? We want things right now. We want to, we want to have instant gratification. We want, and, and, and there's a core, there's, there's something at the core of this. Instant gratification means this. There's some kind of instant security. There's some kind of instant security. Like, like I'm, I feel safe, I feel secure, I feel fulfilled because I have it now. It's not just about I want the waiting to be over. I want to not feel insecure. But, and the writer says, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. Then he says, see See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives its early and late rain. He's saying, don't, don't freak out and, and waste your waiting, but look forward to what is coming. Look forward to what God is going to do. Look forward to the blessing to come. He says, you also must be patient. Why? And it goes on, it says, strengthen your hearts. See, that time of waiting where we don't have quite the fulfillment we have or don't have quite the security we feel we should, that time of waiting is a time of character building. God is doing something. He's up to something. And you and I ought to take the opportunity to let God strengthen our hearts because the Lord's coming is near. He goes on, brothers and sisters, don't complain about one another. And that's like the idea of coveting what you have and what you have. Oh, look how fulfilled they are. Look how well put together she is. 
That's not, we should not do that. Do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. God could care less if you have what your neighbor has. God wants you to have Jesus Christ. He wants you to have hope through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus. He says, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and of patience. So he's saying, again, look, we're looking ahead forward to what God is going to do because we can also look backwards to what God has already done. It says, see, again, look, see, we count as blessed those who have endured. We count as blessed, we count as fulfilled, we count as provided for, taken care of, a security brought in. Those who have endured, you have heard about Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. So there's an amazing truth here, an amazing promise that God's saying, don't worry about the things of the world. Don't set your heart's affections on the things of the world, on your neighbor's stuff. And listen, this is Christmas season. It's really tough not to do that, isn't it? It's like, what can I buy? What was, I mean, last week or two weeks ago, we had this big Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Cyber Week. It was like inundated. I don't know, every, every place I've ever shopped or gone to or, or been on a website of emailed me in the last two weeks with some coupon code for a fancy deal, right? We were inundated with all of that. Stuff, more stuff, buy this. And we, and we like to give gifts too, right? We want to give our, our kids gifts, our friends gifts, our, our parents, our grandchildren, whatever it is. We like to give gifts. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But the affections of our heart cannot be fully satisfied or, or, or put into stuff in the world. It will never satisfy. So today I, want, I do, I want to tie this passage in to Christmas and see that there's a season of waiting. And here's something I, I really do understand. When I, thinking about the season of COVID and, and this, this crazy past eight, nine, whatever, ten months, I don't know how long it's been since last March. I lost track of that, right? When you think about holidays are coming up, oh man, Christmas. And I just, my heart was so excited. Christmas is coming. It's, it's, it's going to be here. And part of my, my heart wants to speed everything up and just get to Christmas, right? Let's just speed up and get there and have it and enjoy it and like have, feel joy again. But, but let's not speed up that time of waiting, that season of waiting, because God is going to do something in the season of waiting. We aren't at Christmas yet, but Christmas is coming. So what can we do now? Well, we're going to look at things we can do to not waste our waiting. Number one is this. Remember mercy. How do we not waste our waiting? We remember mercy. So important for us to do that. And I want to set the stage with a few people. We're going to look at an account of Mary in Luke chapter 1. Uh, if you want to turn there, you can. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. So Mary has, has uh, become pregnant now. She had the news that God wanted to use her as this vessel to, to give birth to the Savior. And she's gone uh, to her cousin Elizabeth. And she's there with her. And Elizabeth uh, meets her there at the door. And she rejoices because she knows that Mary is pregnant with the Messiah. And she, she, the baby inside of her, John, right, the baptizer, is leaping for joy inside of her womb. And there's this excitement they're sharing about the anticipation of what the Lord is going to do, right? There's still a, a pregnancy to go through. There's still a time of waiting to happen. But they're excited about this. And they're not going to waste their waiting. They're remembering mercy. And at this time, too, we have to understand there's a remnant in Israel. There's a remnant of people in Israel and around that that are waiting for the Messiah, that are looking forward to what God is going to do and bring. And many of Israel have forgotten or, or just don't care anymore or, or think it's been too long, too far, I've got to go on, move on to bigger, better things. 
but there's still a remnant that is faithful. It's still a remnant that is looking. And even that remnant has had times of disbelief and untrust at times. But we see this faithfulness there. So I want to I want to read this passage out of Luke 1, beginning at verse 46. And this is Mary's response. Uh, this is her magnificent, right? And it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. And look what she says, Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is Holy. So she's looking on. She's looking forward, isn't she? She says, I, I know God's mercy is real, and I'm looking forward to what our, our ancestors, our descendants' descendants, are going to say about what's happening now. That's talking about you and me from all generations, right? And she goes on. Uh, he's done great things for me, and holy is his name. In verse 50, his mercy is from, and this is her remembering mercy again, this, remember, uh, this rem- remnant remembering mercy. His mercy is from generation to generation. That's why it'll continue forward generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy. See, this remnant remembers God's mercy and clings to that, and God is remembering his covenant and his mercy by providing his servant to Israel uh, and to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Yeah, this summer, or, or I don't know, it was recently, I think summer or maybe last spring, we did a series in the book of Habakkuk. And I want to read a, a verse out of that, chapter 3, verse 2 to you, uh, and just in, encouraged by, by this prophet as well, this remnant who is, is clinging to God's promises and hope in the middle of a season of terror and judgment and wrath and people coming to take his people away. In fact, Habakkuk would be one taken away in chains and in exile. And what does he say here in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 2? He, he says, Lord, I have heard the report about you. That could be good and bad, right? I've heard the report about you, Lord. I stand in awe of your deeds. But he knows, he remembers, he says, revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. He says, in your wrath, remember mercy. See, God is, God is going to remember his covenant. He's going to keep his covenant. He's going to let it go forward. And wrath here is, is appropriately translated as a condition of agitation or disturbance, but it also can mean uh, con- the consequences of our sin and, and the discipline from God. Right? It's a time when, when our foundations are shaken. And, and for me, I, I don't know about you, but for me, these last several months have just really not been so great. Right? For a lot of different people, a lot of different reasons, uh, with shutdowns, lock-ins, isolation, with quarantines, with COVID, whatever's going on, it, it shakes the foundations. It's a tough time. But Habakkuk cries out for God's mercy, knowing that only God's, only God's undeserved mercy and compassion is sufficient to sustain his people in such times of such stress. That's such an important key here. Only God's mercy and compassion will be sufficient to sustain us and bring us through this season. So we must remember mercy. There's a passage in Micah, chapter 7, Verses 18 to 20, it says this, Who is like, or who, who is a God like you, God, right? Uh, forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance. Again, there's the remnant mentioned there. God is, God is faithful there. God is faithful for us who would turn and remember mercy. He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. Here's the promise. He will again have compassion on us. 
He will vanquish our iniquities. He will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show loyalty to Jacob and faithful love to Abraham as you swore to our fathers from days long ago. Again, this is about remembering mercy. And I know it's that tough season right now, but again, I would encourage you, and even from my heart, don't speed this up. Don't just get in a rush to get to Christmas. Don't get in a rush just to get past uh, the first of the year. Don't get in a rush to a a vaccine or when this is all over. We need to, to stand by and watch and wait, and in the middle of this season of trial, in the middle of trouble, we remember mercy. Isaiah 54.10, one of my favorite verses. Though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. It's an amazing promise. In the middle of times where we should be absolutely shaken. And listen, I I understand that, although I might be making a bigger deal about the season of COVID, there are all kinds of things going on in your lives. There are all kinds of troubles. There are all kinds of insecurities. There might be an illness. There might be a family member. There might be a time with with, with job or unemployment or or, or relationships at work or relationships at home or or a death in the family. Whatever it might be that's going on, that is the season. That is when the mountains seem to move and shake. But God says, my love will not be removed from you. My covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. So don't waste your waiting. Remember mercy. Number two, don't waste your waiting, but have peace in the good news of great joy. Have peace in the good news of great joy. Uh, Going on with our Christmas narrative in in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Uh, This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. Right there, right? We're looking forward to it. We're remembering mercy. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. What an amazing promise he had there. And then in verse 27, it says, Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. Imagine that. You're walking. You're just walking around town. Maybe you're praying. Maybe whatever you're doing. You're walking by the temple, and God's Spirit just said, No, you need to go inside. And he's already promised him, you would not see death until you see the Messiah. So he entered the temple and said, When the parents uh, brought in the child, Jesus, to perform to him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you have promised. Why? For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Listen, this is what Simeon's doing. He's remembering mercy. And he's looking for the Savior. And he knows that when we encounter the Savior, that is what will bring peace and rest. And see, when Simeon had that encounter with the Savior, now what did he say to Jesus? He said, or what did he say to God? He said, now that I've seen the Savior, now that this promise has been fulfilled, you can, you can dismiss me in peace. I have the utmost peace because I've encountered the Savior. So for you and I who have encountered the Savior during this time of waiting, this time of, of sorrow, this season of pain, this struggle, whatever's going on in your life, even, even the, the, the little bit of time leading up to Christmas, that, that patiently waiting, like my kids are like every night wanting to you know, clip another little ring off their Advent countdown. Don't get in such a hurry. Don't waste your waiting but embrace the peace that comes from the good news of great joy like he did. And this good news of great joy, it needs to be mentioned, it is for all peoples. 
It is not meant to be an encouragement only for you who have trusted Christ. It's an encouragement for anyone who would trust Christ as Savior. For whosoever believes would have eternal life. There are lots of people out there that don't have the hope and peace of Jesus like you and I might, who have not expressed faith in Jesus Christ. Those people need to know Jesus. And you and I are the people who can tell them. In Luke chapter 2, it, it talks about this uh, earlier, uh, this good news and great joy. This is the, the message from the angels, right? It said, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. It's amazing. These angels came and said, don't be terrified. I, I, I talked about this. I went through this uh, section of Scripture on our midweek and Wednesday night. So if you want to go a little more in depth, you can go check out the YouTube video or the, the podcast of, of the last midweek Wednesday. Uh, and I talked through this. But, but I, want to, I want to point this out again here today. Uh, they, said, they came and said, don't be afraid. Right? When angels showed up on the scene, usually people were totally freaked out. They went flat on their face, and they said, no, 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 don't stand up. I don't deserve to be bowed to stand up. And then they said, don't be afraid or fear not, right? Don't be terrified. But I really love what, what it says here, because we talked about this when we talked about the first section of not, of not wasting our waiting. We said, remember mercy, and, and look and see, look forward to what's coming as well. Look what he says. He says, don't be terrified, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This is that, that look is so important. And I talk about this uh, with like my children or think about when you were scared. Uh, when my, my son or daughter said, I'm scared, I'm scared. I don't just say, well, don't be scared, right? The angel shows up and says, don't be terrified, don't be afraid. But he gives a reason and he says, here's how we overcome fear, right? There's, first of all, there's some hope in Jesus that can overcome fear. But what does he say? He says, don't be terrified, but look, but look, you know, my kids are afraid. What's the best thing to do? I turn the lights on. I say, let's check this out. Let's see what's really going on here. What's in the closet? What's under the bed? Nothing. See, we can see. I don't just say, you're, you're being terrified for a bad reason. Stop being terrified. Go to sleep. We say, don't be, don't be afraid, but look. For you and I in this season of waiting, don't be afraid, but look. Look to what God has done, what God is doing, what God will do. There is peace that comes from the good news of great joy in Jesus. And when we encounter Jesus and we trust Jesus, we have this peace. Romans 5 tells us of this. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. What does that mean to be justified by faith? It's that people have come to see Jesus. They've come and seen him. They've, they've savored him. They've tasted and seen. And they've, they've expressed faith in Christ. They've put their lives in his hands. They've let what he did for them on the cross and through the resurrection be the power for them. And through being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who we've also obtained access through him by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, here's what that peace should do for us, right? Not only that, we also boast in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Roman, Paul says in Romans too, like this, this time of testing, this time of, of hurt and sorrow is going to produce endurance. 
Right? But, it, but all this comes from having peace with God, and that peace with God will lead us to great hope in Christ. See, through faith in Christ, the Savior, there is real peace. And it starts and begins with the encounter of the good news of great joy found in the Messiah. What should that lead us to? We've remembered mercy, right? That's what we've done. Now that we didn't waste our waiting, we have peace because of the good news of great joy. So we remember mercy, and now we have peace. What should we do with that? Number three is this. Don't waste your waiting, but shine the light of Christ's mercy. Don't waste your waiting, but shine the light of Christ's mercy. We're going to read Zechariah's prophecy or his, his praise in Luke 1, beginning at verse 67. This is right after uh, John had been born and, and they named him, right? And, and remember, Zechariah had been cursed and uh, had become mute and could not speak because it was he didn't believe what God had promised. Well, now that this faith has welled up in him. He understands God is compassionate and merciful. And when it comes down to, to naming this child, he is going to say his name is John. That's what he's to be called. There's no question about it. It's not Zechariah Jr. It's going to be John. And he writes down on the tablet, his name is John, and holds it up. And then immediately, once his name is, he says his name is John, that faith comes out, he immediately uh, can now speak, and then he opens up and just praises God. And here's what he says. Here's, the, here's what faith has produced in him during this time of waiting. Think about that time of waiting. Elizabeth was a little, little ways away, along in her pregnancy, but, but he, he disbelieved, right? It, before she even became pregnant, he disbelieved, and the angel said, oh, you're done. So for nine, ten months, however long it was, Zechariah couldn't talk. You talk about a season of waiting. talk about a season of, of, of frustration. And now it's over. What does he do? He's experienced, experienced something pretty profound. He's remembered mercy, right? He's living in the peace that is in the Messiah and what, a peace in what God has done. And here's what he says, beginning in verse 67. Then John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and, the, and from the hand of those who hate us. That first section, he's, he's talking about this remembering mercy. God is, God is providing redemption for his people. His covenant love is not far from his people. It is still squarely right there. God has not gone anywhere. And he's saying that we're living in peace because of what God has done, this redemption and this salvation that he's provided. And, and I talked about this in our Advent uh, video, but there's a, there's a big time thing going on here with the past tense that he's talking in. He's saying, uh, it's, it's as good as done. God's promise to, of what he's going to do through Jesus is as good as done, even though Jesus is still uh, in the womb. He knows it's as good as done. Going down to verse 76, here we see the shining of the light of Christ's mercy. It says, a new child will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, remembering mercy, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah knows that, only, that peace can only be found through an encounter with the Savior. And this is what he's prophesying. This is what he's talking about. And he goes on, he says that, that this light will shine in the darkness. There will be hope there for people. And we know it's for all people. It's good news of great joy for all people. 
Our waiting, listen, our waiting is not just a time for us to remember mercy and give ourselves a little pep talk, which is, which is super important. Right? It's, it's not just a time to, to know we have peace with God and we can trust and rest in what he's going to do no matter what we face. It is also a time, this time of waiting is also a time to proclaim and to shine brightly that Christ brings peace to all who would believe. This season of waiting is a time for us to shine brightly. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, we, we see this in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. If we want people to see and savor the Savior, we need to be salty. right? We need to make sure that Jesus is appealing, that, that there's something about it that brings peace and joy and hope. Goes on. Jesus goes on and says, You are the light of, a wor- of the world. The city on a, uh, situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Listen, during this time of waiting, this time of maybe discouragement, this time of despair, this time of whatever season it is in your life, of, of you want to hurry up and get, get it over with. In, in this time of waiting, we need to remember mercy. We need to have that real encounter with Jesus that brings us peace because he is the message of good news and great joy. And we need to not stop there, just in our own little world and have our own little comfort. But we need to know that his light can shine brightly into the darkness of this world. In the darkest recessed corners of of people's hearts, people need Jesus. People need to know the truth of Christ. And in, in our waiting, we don't waste our waiting, but we shine the light of Christ's mercy. So they can see and savor the Savior. Like we see and savor the Savior. And then we invite others to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. So church, this Christmas season, this season of despair, or whatever season you find yourself in, don't waste your waiting. All right? Would you stand with me and pray? Father, we are grateful for your great love and your mercy that you have for us. And and Lord, in, in this crazy time, this crazy season. For some of us, that season is just uh, Christmas can't get here soon enough, and that's a season for some. For some, this season is I, I, I'm so sick of being isolated, or I, I feel hurt and despaired. I feel removed and, uh, from people or from peace. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one or a loss of a job, or maybe it's turmoil at a, at a place of work or in your family. Whatever it might be, God, this season, would you help us to remember mercy? God, that we would see and know that you are up to something, that we would remember what you have promised and we would look forward to what you're going to bring, bring to us through Jesus Christ, through a relationship with him. And God, what we know is that in the middle of that waiting, we know that you bring peace, that the good news of great joy is for all people and that you will bring peace, that we don't have to be terrified, but we can look to you. And God, as we find that peace, as we find that hope, as we uh, stop to, to make room and prepare him room in our hearts, God, I pray you would also put it in our 
our motives, in our desires, in our burden, to go and share that hope and that light with people around us who desperately need the Savior as well. So we thank you and we, we put our hope and our trust in you, Jesus, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.